New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Max Jew. He's an assistant professor of marketing at the University of California, Riverside School of Business. His research focuses on data-driven marketing analytics, especially in digital platforms. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Pleasant to be here. To help frame the conversation we're going to be having today and to get listeners all on the same page, when we're thinking about digital advertising, a digital ad connects three parties, consumers, digital publishers, and advertisers. Consumers bring their attention, their personal interests, and spending power. Digital publishers grab that consumer attention through their content and harvest data about their consumer. Advertisers provide revenue to the publisher in the form of ads placed with the publisher based upon the consumer data that the publisher has gathered. So it's this ecosystem. Now, you've identified some important disconnects that currently exist between these three parties. What are these issues? So basically, the digital advertising ecosystem has evolved in a way that a few large ad tech companies, like such as Google or Facebook, play a role of middlemen. And then when the middlemen is in the middle. So advertisers have some disconnection towards the consumer side and publisher side. Mm-hmm. So advertisers usually just buy ad slots through the intermediary, which is called as programmatic ad purchasing process. Then they have to rely on the intermediary's self-report, especially on what happened to their ad campaigns. That is, the intermediaries basically hoard the consumer's ad engagement data in their world garden, and the advertisers are disconnected from such information. So for from an advertiser's perspective, if I try to build an analogy, the situation is like you hired an agent and the agent did the work for you on the other side of the earth. And then the agent told you that, like, no worries, everything is fine. <laughs> it was however, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. But however, you don't have access to the other side of the earth. So there is no external source of information for a cross check other than what your agent tells you, right? So a recent lawsuits by several groups of advertisers were about that. So the potential inflation of ad metrics and the potential inflation of the number of targeted individuals. So they suspected that like the number of people that we asked to target should not be that high. So there are those issues that advertisers don't have the oversight. In addition, even with a valid and honest ad metrics report, it is really, really hard for advertisers to know whether all the impressions and clicks were valid or by human beings mm. as opposed to bots or something like that. And, and also another issue is that the programmatic ad purchase process makes it hard to for advertisers to understand like which publishers the intermediary actually places their advertising. So they they want to they might want to avoid some publishers that they don't want to be associated with, but they don't have full control over those things. So they get some dashboard, but it is not necessarily the case that they have a full access of, I mean, they offer the full access of dashboard, but it is not necessarily the case that advertisers 
can easily analyze the dashboard of the list of publishers and everything. So these have been the issue for the advertisers. And without the full transparency of ad transaction data and ad engagement data, it is very hard to know where the money that advertisers paid goes. So in the, advertise, in the digital advertising industry, we call it unknown delta. Right. So it, it's really, so what you're talking about is there's, there are some really mm-hmm. large measurement issues. There's some mm-hmm. brand safety issues. And from the consumer standpoint, there's consumer privacy issues and mm-hmm. um, just overall transparency issues, right? Was that sort of right. what we're looking right. at? So in right. previous conversations I've had around the promise of blockchain, guests have talked about how blockchain will be able to solve these issues, but we've never really drilled down into what it might look like and why a distributed ledger tech can do this when other tech can't. So that's where the bulk of our conversation today is going to focus. However, before we dive in, blockchain is a distributed ledger, but it is not the only distributed ledger. How would you define distributed ledger technology? So a distributed ledger technology does not have the exact definition. However, there is some cons- there is some consensus that including the famous blockchain is a decentralized record keeping system. And then the decentralization would avoid the big players mm-hmm. can hoard the information within their garden. And another beauty of a distributed ledger technology is that a transaction is recorded only when that is proven to be real. And once it is proven to be real, and once it is recorded in a decentralized manner by all those participants, then the transaction is permanently recorded. So there is no possibility, much lower possibility of breach. So it is much safer way to keep the transaction across all transacting parties of, of a business. So is now I know that with blockchain, you have you can't change things. It's locked up. Once it's done, it's done. Now, how is how how does blockchain how is it not like a distributed ledger? You talked about once it's recorded and, and it's proved real, and that's just all distributed ledgers do that. That's not a particular quirk of blockchain, or is the quirk of blockchain? Yes, it's recorded, and you can never change it. Like if you make an error, can you can you change it in other distributed ledgers? Like what's the difference between a regular? distributed ledger and blockchain, just so listeners can understand the difference. So the definition I just shared is common across all distributed ledgers. Okay. So there would be some variants of distributed ledgers other than blockchain, Mm -hmm. and they differ by the technical method of encryption method. Okay. And whether the way of keeping the record is a shape of a block or not, I see. And also there is a variance, variation of the degree of decentralization and degree of transparency versus opacity. So there are a lot of those issues, but common theme is that it is a decentralized record keeping and it is safe and permanent. Great. Okay. That's really fantastic. So for purposes of this conversation for listeners, we're speaking about distributed ledger category more broadly than just blockchain. So when looking at how distributed ledger technology will be able to help solve the problems we outlined earlier, you started with four properties that distributed ledger tech has in common. And I want to just walk through them quickly. First, structure. Now in business, it's not like the movie Field of Dreams. Businesses don't build things unless there is a market 
for them. And this is the kind of classic <laughs> right. chicken egg problem a lot of VCs want solved before they invest. Now, is this a problem when considering distributed ledger technology and advertising? Yes, of course. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, the big problem is that like there is status quo. So like if you are an advertiser, you buy the advertising through the system that you already set up through Google or Facebook, and then that's easy. And then if you want to report, if you are um, a marketer in a company, and then if you need to report, like, why did I use this money on this thing, then your CFO would say, yes, if you have done what you have done. Right. <laughs> right. So the systems, intermediaries and ad tech companies and all the advertising agencies need to change things dramatically. And then somebody got to sacrifice something. Well, so this is, sounds a- like there are some vested interests that that Google and Facebook, these wall gardens are like, hey, that's our business model. And if we get this right. distributed right. ledger, there goes our business model. So there's a vested interest who works against it. And then also, right. if you're talking about a, a distributed ledger tech, and the whole thing is that it's decentralized, and that's one of the things that people get stars in their eyes around this decentralization. But if that's true, who builds it? Who maintains it? Who runs it? So that's the point that we mentioned in our paper so basically there is a big friction as you just mentioned right so there's no incentive for the ad tech companies to move towards the new technology and and advertisers and publishers want a system with a large audience and the dlt system is new so there's no audience yet and then consumers who adopt the new system want a system with less advertising or better privacy. So if the system gets better and more advertisers, then consumers would not love the new system. So there is a big misalignment among those parties. So when we think about like who builds it, and so obviously those who benefit the most from the new system want to build it. Right. So they're has been some movement that a non-profit consortium of advertisers and publishers was trying mm-hmm. to move it forward. One example was adledger.org. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that so it's a consortium and then who invests for what is kind of unclear. And then that kind of consortium always has the issue of like a classical free rider problem. Um, right. Because once the system settled in, then everybody else would benefit from it. Right. And, it's almost like the commons few, problem that you have. Indeed, indeed. Right. And a few new DLT enabled browsers like Brave, they they try to move it forward and they made some success by having like large a reasonably large audience than before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are those movements with different motivations and incentives, but it's still the initial stage of the industry. Well, it, it seems like if somebody would jump in and, and mm-hmm. make the play, all mm-hmm. of a sudden it would be so, all of these problems you've pointed out, the problems around transparency, the problems around privacy, the problems around measurement, and that if you have this, that all of a sudden you can do things other people can't, and you can do them more efficiently, and then you you win, but you've got you to take the swing. You got to go for it. And you can't half measure it because it it's either in so or out. Here's, here's the tricky part. So the beauty of the new system is decentralization. Right. Uh, that means a player who takes the swing might benefit less than <laughs> other system. 
right? So、oh. the idea is not to have the influential player in the center. Ah, <laughs> right. So by uh, definition, uh, nobody can. I mean, in some ways, it's it's catch twenty two. Right.、I、yeah. Mean, if if there is it, then that's a good thing for everybody. But if do you want to build it? It's the situation. So that was、right. the challenge that we view. I mean, in the paper that we view of as the challenge of moving this idea forward. It's almost like a public good utility. It's almost it needs to almost very similar, right? Treated in that way. Now, earlier in the conversation. We outlined some of the problems with current digital ad system. Now let's go back again to why can't advertisers verify that ads were served safely to a real target? Now, so what exactly? What why? Because the ad is being served somewhere. Why can't it? Is it that it cannot be verified, or the people doing the serving won't、mm. verify it? So there are two issues. So the targeting issue and the verification issue. And so under the current system, essentially advertisers cannot meet consumers unless they make the conversion. So, so for example, like if I ask Google to target a business school professors in Riverside between thirty-five and forty-five years old,、right. and then perhaps those people are just too few, right? So. I might want to also reach out to similar profiles, and then I might say, like, "Hey, my agent, I want to rely on your expertise." And then the similarity and similar profile is、uh-huh. determined by、uh, the agent, not me. So those numbers of audience can be easily inflated. So that's one thing. And、okay. another one is the fundamental limitation of measurement. And it's not—it's not the issue that like somebody's plays bad or good. So there is a technical limitation. So can, when can we can I just let me cut you off there. There is a technical、sure. limitation to measurement. I want to just to measurement. Yes. So、right. that seems impossible because isn't it just counting? I mean, I'm I'm playing really dumb here, but explain that. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I thought exactly the same way as well. And then, and then the blockchain startup Lucidity publicized the issue in their white paper, and、okay. I learned a lot. And I also I should have known it, but I did not to confess. And then the impression measurement is counted when the website sends a signal to request. The ad, not based on actual loading of the ad. Oh wow, that's pretty significant. Okay. Right. So that means if you just leave right away, or if you just click something before the ad is loaded, although the the chance is very low in general, and then the ad is not actually loaded but counted as impression. Oh wow. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, also another issue is that many publishers do not count the impressions by themselves. They rely on the tech providers for the ad performance auditing. And then one of the example is DoubleClick, and then that's Google's family company. So basically, the information is monopolized by those intermediaries. Oh, I see. I see. Okay.、Yeah. Now there are currently some distributed ledger techs that are serving in the ad market. Is that right? Right. And so, how are they dealing with some of these problems? 
So they have been making significant movement and meaningful movement, but not much adoption yet. So as I briefly mentioned in earlier conversation, a few organizations initiated DLT-based ad exchange systems, the consortiums. So one example is adleisure.org that I mentioned, and there is a private company that is called as Empire edX. Can you just say that? Can you? I just want to, because I want to make note of this. So it's adleisure.org. Is that right? And what was the other one? Yes. Yes. And the other one was Empire, A-M-B-I-R-E, edX, A-D-E-X. Okay. And so if I'm just, again, to pause to make sure that listeners get this, these systems, they don't have a lot of adoption, but if I'm a marketer, these systems might get me closer to what I'm looking for because they're using distributed ledger. Is that correct? Partly, yes. Okay. So So what uh, would they get me and what are they still missing? I guess that's my (laughs) question. Right. So those systems allow advertisers to have full control over which publishers they want to work with and allow publishers to have a full control over how they want to charge their ad spaces without the unknown delta that evaporates around the intermediary transaction. So that means they built the new system based off of DLT so that advertisers and publishers make the direct transaction of ad spaces. However, those systems do not keep consumers on board as the participant of DLT. In this system, in these systems, consumers are basically simply viewers. So, so viewer side, it's the same as before. So okay. publishers, publishers can still withhold consumer actions that cannot be verified by advertisers. So that's a limitation. Oh, I and, so so you, so the KPI measurement that that still right. as an advertiser, mm-hmm. I can't get at that. I mean, I guess the right. question I have is, could I? And it's not just be it's not being shared, or is it? It's not. I know that's a, a weird question. I so guess. no, 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 it's not weird. So publishers are able to share, but that should rely on in in that system. Publish. We should rely on publishers' will. So they're self-reported. Okay. If I'm sitting at a publisher and I'm listening to this, this is appealing to me because this is a way I can differentiate myself from another publisher. I say, hey, place your ads. If you end up your ads on mine, you're going to get all the data, whereas this other guy may or may not. Is that sort of a... Yeah, without okay. without credible third-party auditor, that's possibility. I see. Okay. Yes. Okay, so and now- another structure of the system that I have to mention is consumer-facing browsers like Brave. Okay. And then... It is a really interesting movement that the Brave wants to spread their own new browser. Mm-hmm. And then their concept is to directly link advertisers to consumers. So if I'm a user of Brave browser, and then I would see the Brave advertising, not publisher advertising, and then Brave charges to the advertisers, and then Brave compensates me to viewer as their valuation of my attention. Oh, so if I, there's so, actually a real incentive for consumers to adopt this, I can make money. Right. The ads. Okay. Right. So I get cryptocurrencies and Ethereum based cryptocurrencies from Brave. But here the problem is that anyway, a consumer would use web browser as a window to view publishers content. But mm. in this system, publisher intensive incentive is missing. So okay. consumers can tip, okay. tip a publisher like a New York Times. Okay. If I viewed Brave Advertising 
while I'm browsing contents of New York Times, and then I can voluntarily tip them based off of my own assessment of the content. However, there's no direct incentive for publishers. I see. Does that mean that not all publishers have to show up on Brave that they can say, no, thank you. We're not, I mean, because then the browser only works if it's really letting you access the full internet. Is it or is it not? So so browser does not require publisher participation okay. because they, they, can, they can go to anywhere. But if, let's say, if that's the only system and then okay. publisher doesn't have any incentive to make good content and then they would rather charge for subscription like ad free model right yeah but but like but they could couldn't they do some sort of like like with the ads in order to access you can do a micropayment especially if you're dealing with a cryptocurrency so you that allows a true micropayment you're not dealing with credit cards so if they wanted to it would be the reverse of an ad so for instance you see an ad you get x number of fraction of ethereum you want to see that article you pay that fraction of Ethereum and you have an account that flips back and forth. I think that's a possibility. And I think that could be the direction that, that it's going. the browsers can consider in the future. Right. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we've we've dug into some of the problems and they are not <laughs> all problems, but one of your, your paper made four recommendations and yes. to solve the challenges. And so I'd like to spend the balance of our time looking at those. And mm-hmm. the first was serving all three parties. Now, this isn't the case today. Is there a structural driver that can make it be the case? I mean, you've pointed out why it wouldn't work. What would make it work? So basically the... Basically, the friction was what I previously mentioned. So the advertisers and publishers want a large audience as a prerequisite for participation. And the new browser doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. And the consumers would like to have less advertising. So if the new system has a larger amount of advertising, then consumers might not love the new system so there's kind of um like asymmetric network externalities unlike any other industry Um, so that's the big big obstacle that any party to adopt the new system so so as you mentioned it's kind of so everybody would benefit if there is the system except for the current intermediaries Right. But there's no one who has clear incentive to, to invest. Right. Right. Okay. Right. That it, it having it, if it could exist sort of from Zeus's brain, immediately it exists. Mm-hmm. That would be a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. But the investment to get it there is the trick. Right. Is that-, that is true. That is true. Okay. And what was some of some of the other recommendations you had to solve these challenges? What? So our first recommendation was the, the three party participation is needed. And then without consumers' participation, then consumers' humanity cannot be guaranteed, right? So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so consumer engagement data cannot be fully trustworthy. So that is kind of key issue that we point out here because the existing movement is basically between advertisers and publishers. So by having this three-party transaction in the whole loop, in the closed loop, would lead to other design considerations that mm. like it's, it's totally different from like two-party symmetric transaction right so in the two-party transact financial transaction 
If I give money, I give money. If I get money, I get money. That's it, right? Right. But in this case, the requirement for for the transparency and the privacy and those issues are asymmetric, and right. the publishers are in the center. Right. So our second recommendation in the paper is that the system should be an open network for mm -hmm. advertisers, like something like a current Bitcoin system. So anybody who wants to advertise can advertise. I see. However. We cannot maintain the same open system for the publishers because if there is, there are only legit publishers, it's fine. But that's not always the case, right? Right, right. Yeah. So if there is a bad publisher and its fraudulent behaviors are detected, and then those actions might harm the entire ecosystem. Right. So advertisers can be misled to consider a fraudulent player to be a legit publisher. And then that's a big harm to their brand safety. So there should be the some screening process to host a credible and legit publisher network. Right. So that was our second recommendation. Uh -huh. And the third recommendation is about the balance between transparency and customer privacy. Because the system includes consumer participation. So we re recommend that the ad transaction and engagement metadata should be transparent between advertisers and publishers. However, they should face some limitations in accessing consumers' private individual information. So that means they should be able to know what they did in response to the advertising. However, they should face some regulations in shaping up who's who. I see. Right. That's and, a challenge. Um, right. That requires some regulation and technological boundary to make it happen because because advertisers and publishers want to know more. Right. Right. Yeah. And they want to know and, the link. Uh, they want to know the linkages. And then if you start building all those linkages, it starts to tell who the person is. I mean, it's that's the trick. That's interesting. That is true. That and so well, then what was your that what was your fourth recommendation? The last recommendation is about about the participating publishers business model. So currently the intermediaries determine the business model. So they determine the pricing models and they run the second price auction or first price auction and then advertisers bid for the ad slot through the intermediary and then that's what publishers get. However, our recommendation is that now publishers directly sell their ad slots to advertisers. So they should have a freedom to choose their own business model, like auctions or a fixed price or other pricing models. And then smart contract in the distributed laser technology would allow them to use any convex combination of multiple pricing systems. So interesting. Thank you so much for taking us through all this. I could obviously geek out over it forever. So I appreciate Thank you shared this much of your time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>